This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 4, actually, is where we will pick up tonight. Chapter 4 and verse number 4. And uh, this is pretty much where we left off last last week as we are getting into some pretty complicated stuff as we study the Word. Now, in chapter 4, everything that we have been talking about thus far, as we reviewed briefly last Wednesday night, up unto chapter 4, deals with the past and uh, some aspects of the present, but chapter 4, things dramatically change. And this is when we get into the essence of eschatology. And this is talking about prophetic things that will take place in the future. And so this is what chapter 4 primarily hinges on. The other thing is that we can be sure that as far as the timeline goes, and I had somebody to ask me this yesterday about um, Bible prophecy, and I, I I love preaching on prophecy, and we do that in January. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing that again this coming January. Where we are right now, as as time would have us to be, in in the perspective of these seven church ages that John was speaking about, and where we are right now, uh, I, I firmly believe that we are somewhere between Revelation chapter 3 and chapter 4. As of right now, tonight, that's where we are uh, as, as uh, a people of God. And so... Verse or chapter four not only deals with the aspects of things turning towards prophecy, things to come, but it also, I believe, gives us a wonderful picture of view of the rapture itself. And uh, we there we have many comments to make uh, about that. So I think in chapter four um, that there is a lot to be seen in this in this place where we are this evening. I want to read for you verses 1 through 4 that gives us um, a good place to dive into. I think it would probably do us justice to go back and read uh, beginning in verse 1 and then uh, talk about uh, chapter or verse number 4 as well. So in verse number 1, the Bible says, after this, remember it's a continuation of uh, what is happening in chapter 3. I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, Paul, when he is writing about the rapture itself, he is talking about when the dead in Christ are awakened from the dead. He talks about they will be awakened with a voice 
of a trumpet. John is commenting on the identical thing. And uh, he is saying that uh, he, he heard this sound of a trumpet, but then he, he more personalizes it and he says, I heard it talking with me. And the voice which said, come up hither, is a picture of the rapture. Now, this, this is um, a place in Scripture, and it's worth repeating again because I believe, I firmly believe that right here is where the rapture takes place. And again, we're between chapter 3 and chapter 4. I believe the next prophetic event to take place on God's calendar is indeed the rapture. So, um, when you read these words, come up hither, this, this is the awakening Paul spoke about, uh, in the, in the rapture setting as well. But the word says, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit. So it, as far as Paul goes, he says that, uh, the rapture would take place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That means immediately. Um, there are so many things that takes place in the rapture. First of all, we have the dead in Christ rising first. Then, according to Paul, the word says, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and we will meet the Lord in the air. Now there is also another event because it is here in the rapture that we receive our glorified bodies. So not only is the dead awakened and translated, and all who are alive and remain in Christ at the time of the rapture are also translated, given a glorified body, and then together the dead in Christ, those who are alive and remain, given a glorified body, and we meet the Lord in the air. All of this happens in a twinkling of an eye. So it's immediate. Those kind of things happen. And he said, I was in the Spirit. We talked a little bit about that last week too. And behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardian stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now we, we spent the majority of last week talking about verses one, two, and three. Now, verse number four gets us to a place where things start to get a little deep or a little complex. And so let's take our time as we weave through the scriptures tonight. And John is saying, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, Verse 4 represents, I believe in my study, it represents the ransom, the redeemed, the glorified saints uh, who make up the church uh, at this point in time, the rapture. Now, the number 24 occurs 
six times pertaining to the elders in Revelation. The saints, uh, a royal priesthood, is also given in declaration. Let me just share this with you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, the word says, Ye also as lively stones, and we just spent a great deal of time talking about those precious stones in verse number 3, are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now this is important. Because the saints are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So Peter is definitely referring, in these passages that we have just read, he's definitely referring to Gentile believers. And that is people who make up the body of Christ. And so that's something that he... And let me give you a couple of other scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13, I hope you're writing some of this down. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ... And verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So so these scriptures by Paul and Peter is definitely talking about Gentile believers. But something interesting in verse number four uh, that uh, is, is, is an eye-opening thing, I think, for us, because these four and twenty elders, if not, not only are they clothed in white raiment, but look at this, the latter part of verse number four, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now the crowns of gold worn by the elders here in verse number four, it's it's a picture of, it's setting forth uh, the, the, the symbol, the sign, the essence of royal dignity. That's important. Now the white garments in this passage of scripture 
is in reference to or talking about, it denotes the righteousness and the holiness of God. So much appearing here. In Revelation chapter 19, verse number 8, the scripture says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. All right, having understand that, you go back and you look at verse number four again. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. This goes hand in hand with verse number eight of Revelation 19. But I want you to see after Revelation 19.4, the elders, this is something interesting about the church and the rapture and so forth. In Revelation 19, verse number four, the Bible says, and the four and 20 elders. Now we, we get that passage, four and 20 elders, first of all, in verse number four of chapter four. And then we get to Revelation chapter 19 and verse number four. And the scripture says, and the four and twenty elders, again, we see that. And the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, amen and hallelujah. Now, after Revelation chapter 19 and verse number four, the elders are not mentioned uh, as elders again. So the four and twenty elders that John saw representing the church uh, this is after it had been caught up in what I believe to be the rapture. A lot of things pointed out in verse number four. Now, again, as we continue on, things do get a little bit more complex, and you, you really have to pay attention to what's uh, transpiring at this point. In verse number five, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings, and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And so the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, as the scripture says, are the seven spirits of God. Now, we we talked about this early on uh, in, I believe it was chapter 1. But I want to rehearse this again so that we'll not lose uh, some of the groundwork that we've already laid as we get into this part uh, of the Scripture. And so I would say, hold your place here and let's go and look at Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 2, if you would do that. Hold your place here in Revelation 4. But notice this, because the Scriptures are talking about the seven spirits of God. What is that? Well, Isaiah mentions them. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so um, that's worth rehearsing once again. Now, Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne... There was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. All right, now first of all, let's talk about the sea. 
the sea here is not like a typical sea that we have in our mind. We've all have seen a beautiful sea somewhere in our lives. I believe we have had the occasion not only to uh, view pictures of it, but we have had uh, opportunities uh, at some point in our life to, to really look upon uh, the beauty of an actual sea. But when you, when you study these scriptures here, it, this sea that the word is talking about is, is unlike anything you can imagine. When you, when you stop to think about this, and we talked a little bit Sunday about Peter walking on the water. He walked on the Sea of Galilee. The sea as we know it, and the things that are in our mind, the sea that we can picturize in our mind uh, on the earth is, is driven by three components. Everything about the sea on the earth is driven by wind, it's driven by storms. It's driven by the tempest. And a lot of times, the sea, the, the sea is never calm. A lot of times they are. I've been on the Sea of Galilee many times, and I've started out going across uh, the sea, and it's been just as calm. And then you you get out, 15 or 20 minutes and then a storm will come up and it, it would like, you would think you're going to blow off of the boat. Uh, that's the way, um, that the sea operates that we are very familiar with and acquainted with on the earth. But here it's different. Something else I noted that is different. The sea here, according to the word of God, uh, is not only clear, but it's calm. And what that symbolizes is an eternity of perfect peace. That's what this calm sea represents, an eternity of perfect peace, not driven by winds, storms, the tempest. Now, also in this verse, we notice something interesting, and this, I think, is probably one of the most uh, peculiar aspects. Uh, and we'll see a lot about beast and uh, all kinds of things like this as Revelation unfolds. But also in this verse, we noticed four beasts or four living creatures. Look at that in verse number six. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now, that might begin to perk us up and say, what? in the world is going on here. How could something like this be in heaven? Well, the living creatures, according to the word of God, were full of eyes before and behind. John, in verse number seven, he is describing them as resembling, look at this. He's describing what he's, what he's seeing. All right, he has let us know that there are four beasts but in verse 7, he breaks it down. And the first beast was like a lion. You might want to take your pen or whatever and underline because we're going to talk about these four things momentarily. He's describing a lion, and then he says, which was the first beast. And then the second beast, like a calf. The third beast had a face as a man. 
And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So John has got this thing going on before him, a a beautiful sea, clear as crystal. He's watching this throne thing happen. He's seeing these four beasts appear. Now, let me break this down for you here. The lion that he is describing here is talking about the majesty and the power of the animal kingdom. And it, the lion represents the king of all beasts. And we know that in Genesis 49, verse number 9, the word says, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? In Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings, and I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And then Amos, a book we we don't refer to a whole lot, in chapter 3 and verse number 8, The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord hath spoken, who can but prophesy? So the lion here is, is describing the majesty at this point, because it does shift and take a different uh, projection for us. But the lion describes the majesty and power of the animal kingdom. It's the king of all beasts. The second beast that John saw was that of a calf or an ox. And that is announcing or it denotes humility and patience. It's the beast of labor. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 through 10, the Bible says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of an ox or the ox that treadeth out of the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Verse 10. Or saith he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt that it is written that he that ploweth should plow and hope and that he that thresheth and hope should be partaker of his hope. All right, another verse I'll give you real quick here is Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. So John, as he's looking at these four beasts, he's seeing a lion, he's seeing the calf, and the third beast that he saw had the face of a man. And so what does this mean? Man, in the lineage of creation, God created, uh, his works of creation took place for six days, and then the word says he rested on the seventh. But man is the greatest of all of God's creation. And so he's the highest of God's creation. And that that picturizes or it denotes wisdom and reason and the ability to have intelligence. There's so much I could say about this tonight. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 14, the ability to reason, God gives us the invitation. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Bible says this, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
Job chapter 9, verse number 24. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked, he that covered the faces of the judges thereof, if not where, and who is he? Ezra 9, 6. And said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up into the heavens. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So man, being the highest of God's creation, has the ability to reason with wisdom and uh, and does have the intelligence to do so. Now, the fourth beast that John saw was like a flying eagle, the word says. And the eagle is the wisest of all birds, and the eagle flies the highest. Let me just give you... Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 49 tonight. Uh, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. Now there are several scriptures that I could give you tonight that, that coincide with this, but uh, I'm going to uh, pass over a few of them and say this. These characteristics that John is mentioning in verse number seven, combined, they express the character of God's throne in relation to the earth. And that's important to understand. It expresses the characteristics of God in relation to the earth. All right, now in verse number eight, he continues on with, with the uh, proclamation and the study of these four beasts. He said, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. Now, I will tell you that when I got to this particular verse, because I do realize that, uh, as I have already mentioned, some of these scriptures are complex, and it takes us back and say, what? You read the scriptures, what? What? But here, here is something amazing. In verse number 8, these creatures that John is talking about, they are not the same as the four and twenty elders that he mentions in verse number four. These are the creatures created by God for a very specific and singular ministry. Let me show you something here in the Word. In Isaiah chapter 6, turn or let them get these scriptures on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Look at this. This is important. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
So when you read Isaiah 6, verses 2 through 3, and you may even want to put in the margin of your Bible beside verse number 8 that that reference so that you can go back and read it again. These seraphims, these cherubims that the Word is speaking about, they were created with a very specific purpose. And that is that they are created, they were created to never ever cease to praise God day or night. That's their purpose. God created these cherubims. He created the sephirims to continually, nonstop, bring honor and glory and praise unto the Lord. Something very else interesting I saw here when I got to this particular verse. We go back and read verse number 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings. We've just read that again in reference to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they, look at this, full of eyes, and they rest not day and night. That was the purpose in which they were created for. But look at this. This this is something that caught my eye, and uh, this is the way that I believe it. Saying, Holy, holy, holy. The word holy there is written three times. And this is what these cherubims were were singing and declaring and, and praising. And they continually say this over and over again. That's their eternal purpose. Just to praise God. Holy, holy, Holy. And you think about that. That was their created purpose. Three times. Now, I believe in my own personal study that this is in reference to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. And I believe it's repetitious. Holy God the Father, Holy God the Son, Holy God the Holy Spirit, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now, something else here. They not only know that He is holy, but notice the latter part of this. Lord God Almighty. Here we have another set of threes. Lord God Almighty. And not only that, but then it concludes with this, which was, is, and to come. So in three different aspects of verse number eight, we find three different sets of threes. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, notice that, past, present, and future, which was, is, and is to come. So I found that pretty interesting as I began to study this. Now, these these cherubims and these sephirims uh, have an eternal purpose, and I want to establish that. All right, I, I have time here now to give you one more verse, and uh, verse number nine. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks 
to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever. Notice this. It's a continuation. It's a comma in verse number 10. The four and 20 elders, which we've already seen in verse number four, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying. And so this is how we know that the four and twenty elders is the church. Verse number 11, I think, seals it for us, and we'll stop here tonight with that, that verse. Saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. And so the word pleasure here is is also translated uh, the word will, for your will. So in other words, all things were created for the fulfillment of God's will. Because of that, he's worthy of our praise. And this entire thing is a picture of the church in heaven before the rapture and then when the rapture takes place. And then it all reveals the immediate things that John sees as the rapture unfolds. He's caught into heaven and the things at first uh, makes a registered comprehension and uh, he he declares all of these incredible things. So, uh, like I said, it is going to get, uh, I think, in some ways, overwhelming. Definitely interesting. It definitely, I think, produces more questions than answers along the way. Uh, but we just study it the best we can. So let's stop here tonight. Good place to stop. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.